You're listening to the Kingdom Culture Church podcast. To connect with us, hop on social media or go to kingdomculturechurch.com.au. Come on, praise the Lord. Hey, stay seated. Stay seated. So good, it's catching. Hey, why don't you stand with me just for a moment? I know this section, man, you sat down quick. You were like, cool, hey, welcome by. Cool, hey, welcome by. There's a lot of chords. You're doing really well there. Well done. Caleb, that was awesome. <laughs> I love being a guest speaker at the church I attend. It's fun. <clears throat> Happy Easter. I have a, um, I have a scar on this hand. And I got it when I worked at EB Games Factory. Remember that, Caleb? Do you remember Ray? Big Ray? Yeah, so we were mucking around at Smoko one time, and I was just out of school. And we were literally just mucking around, and he threw me into a pallet. Uh, he was quite a big guy, and he threw me. And as I saw, as I, like, left his arms, I saw this look on his face of, oh, I'm at work. This is a teenager. I'm the boss. This could be terrible. And I smacked into this pallet. And I held onto it and it fell backwards. And it didn't fall. I let go and fell onto the rack. And I cut my, I cut my hand um, really badly. And it was bleeding everywhere. And I had to go see a lady called Nicole, who was the OHS lady. And she was really scary. And um, yeah, basically they just asked me 70 times if I was going to sue them. And I said no, because I was young and silly. Should I? Um, but it took Anna about probably six years of being with me to notice a scar. And one day we were hanging out and she, and she touched, you know, it did. And, and she touched this guy, touch it, babe. And when she touches it, I go, because I'm not very manly. And so that's my manly, that's, that's, that encapsulates me as a man. But, but I've had it for ages and uh, it, took her, it took her so long to see it, even though it was there for like five years of knowing her. You can be seated. That's going to be relevant later. Just remember that. The thing that was always there, that was really obvious, that you didn't see. Uh, My sermon title tonight is called Walk With Me. Walk with me. I wonder tonight if I could not preach at you or to you, but I wonder if we could go on a walk together. I wonder if we could go and hang out and, and really you're not going on a walk with me really you're going on a walk with Jesus but I think tonight it'll be cool to go on a walk yeah oh, let's pray Father I thank you that in the next 30 minutes you're going to do something by your spirit we thank you that you are not in the tomb you're not in the grave you've raised again you're our great hope you're our great faith you're our comforter you're our friend you're the one that makes everything okay Lord I pray tonight by your spirit by revelation, by your truth, by your love, that we wouldn't leave the same as we walked in. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Thank you, Isabel. You can, you can leave. I know you have to leave, like, properly. It'd be awkward if you were like, yes, sick. <laughs> we're going to talk tonight about the Emmaus Road. Now, this isn't like a, uh, uh, this isn't Bible trivia, which I would beat you in, Andy. It's, um, <laughs> I probably wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll just, just, we'll get back to you. We'll get back to you. Um, I wouldn't. Um, I might Old Testament. Anyway, um, 
who here knows what the Emmaus Road is? Don't fake it if you don't. If you do, show me. Cool, like 4% of the room, um, which is awesome because that means we get to go on a walk together uh, and it'll be really open for you. And um, I've read this story before, but when I was studying for tonight, um, I feel like both my Easter messages, if you were here this morning, I preached on what do we do on Saturday. I feel like both my Easter messages have a, have a, have a bit of an interesting take, um, but hopefully that's interesting to you. And so we're going to go on the Emmaus Road, and I'm going to paraphrase. We're going to read the whole story a bit later uh, in the sermon. Uh, but for now, I just want you to trust me. We're going to read it. Uh, but basically what happens is uh, Jesus goes on a walk on a road to a city called Emmaus, well, a town, a gathering, it's pretty small, called Emmaus, with a couple whose names we don't know at the start of the story. And this is about a couple of days after he's come back to life. So my first question for you is, what do you do the day after you defeat death, hell, and the grave? I'll tell you what I'd do. <laughs> I would text Caitlin, and I would say, Caitlin, prepare the biggest social media campaign you have ever prepared. <laughs> Brad, write a song about my preeminence. We're going on tour. We're going to hire out the biggest venue in Jerusalem. Oh, the biggest venue is the Colosseum. Great. Well, after the Gladiators, we're, that's us. We're in. And we are going to have a conference, and it is going to be epic, and we're going to invite everyone, and I might get lowered down on ropes, and my side would be on display, and the holes in my hands, and it's going to be epic, and all of Jerusalem is going to be like, wow, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. What does Jesus do? He goes for a walk on an insignificant road with insignificant people with seemingly insignificant issues. I love what Dan mentioned about the, the woman who went to the tomb, which that's a whole sermon in and of itself. But I don't have time. But, but uh, later, in June. But what I love is when he says, hey, why are you looking here? He isn't here anymore. Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? This is just a little bit for free before we fully get into the sermon. But so often we look for life in things that are dead. So often we look for life in social standing, in flirtatious behavior, in a big paycheck, in, in the wrong things. And we're looking for life. And we wouldn't say that's what we're doing, but that is what we're doing. Yeah. And sometimes I've talked to some people in the last couple of weeks that have had this moment where it's like God knocks on the door and goes, hey, why are you looking for life there? Those things aren't sin. Those things aren't evil, but they're not life. I'm life. Come and seek me. So yeah, it was just for free. Not, let's not look for life where things are dead. So Jesus goes for a walk. If we could put up um, that picture, guys, of the, of the road, that would be phenomenal. There it is. So a OK tour guide would tell you this is the road to Emmaus. An honest tour guide would say, we think this might maybe be the road to Emmaus, but we're not sure because the city of Emmaus isn't there anymore because it was so insignificant. There you go. Where is he going with this? I don't know either. You see, for, for me, th this road that Jesus walked on with this couple, which we're going to read about, was seven miles long. And it says that he was heading away from Jerusalem. Now, I don't understand this, and I'll tell you why. Jerusalem was where it was all happening. 
Jerusalem was where he rode in on the donkey. Jerusalem was where he got sentenced. Jerusalem, more excitingly, was where he told the, the, the guys to gather. It was where the Holy Ghost was going to come and move. And, and it's like the, the hub, man, the, the thing. Like all the extroverts were like, let's go to Jerusalem. You know, all the introverts like, Emmaus. We go, we go to Emmaus separately at different times. And so, so man, it's interesting that Jesus is heading away from the big significant city and towards this place where, where we don't even know where, exactly where it is anymore. I'm going somewhere. Work with me. Work with me. Why is it that Jesus is going to a seemingly insignificant place? You see, and we'll read it. Just I keep saying that, but we're going to read the whole passage. I just want to set this up, though. The, 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 he meets a couple on this road. And the guy's name is Cleopas, and we don't get the woman's name because in those times women weren't treated the best, which sucks. But we see Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas on this road. And Jesus is, 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 and I say this with all reverence, he's kind of creepy. He walks up to them and he goes, what are you guys, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> you guys on a, this abandoned road going somewhere? What are you, what are you talking about? Isn't the Bible so fascinating in that no story is ever wasted and no detail is ever just put in there just cause? Why is Jesus going to an insignificant place? Could it be Jesus is far more concerned with our journey than he is with the destination? And obviously I'm not talking about our eternal destination, but I'm talking about the things of this world. Could it be that he's much more interested to... to, to see our character in the process. We talked about this this morning, didn't we? Saturday is a great measuring stick, better than Sunday. Could it be that Jesus is fine to leave the big party event hype social thing where the Holy Ghost is going to come and chase after a couple that didn't have leprosy, didn't have a death in the family, they were just downcast? A couple of days after he comes back to life and takes the keys of death and life and, and beats up demons in hell. A little bit extra biblical, but it's fun. Like, a couple of days after that, he goes on a walk. You see, this challenges me because my personality is not always bad, but I'm very drawn to the big thing. I'm very drawn to the seemingly measurable metric health big thing, which is not a bad thing. That's how God made me, but Jesus challenges me in the story and as he goes, and, and, and we can see in Matthew, if we cross-reference it with Matthew 18, 12, what do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hill and go look for the one that wandered off? Yeah. You see, Jesus is really hard to understand. But if we as people need to understand him and his ways implicitly, we won't get anything done. Yeah. We see this all through the Bible. One that, I could give you a hundred, but one that came to my mind was Abram, who becomes Abraham. God gives him some huge directives. He's chilling in Ur of the Chaldeans and he's just living life and he's got his family, he's got his thing and God says, move. What? Move. Miracle and breakthrough stories in the Bible are almost always preceded with illogical obedience. We don't have to know exactly what he's doing. We just have to go walk with him. Which is annoying, because I like knowing. 
Like, my wife pays me out about it. Stop nodding so much. Like, I can't handle it. Like, if she's like, hey, can we talk about something tomorrow? I'm like, like, the anxiety of hell comes upon me. I'm like, you know, she just wants to talk about the budgets. I'm like, what did I do? Did I say something? Did I do something wrong? What's going on? Let alone if Rob says, hey, can I talk to you tomorrow? I'm like, like, I get asthma worse than Cotty. And he's got really bad asthma. And so, yeah. God's in control. We're not. Let's walk with him. We've got a generation that says, hey, God, show me and I'll go. And he's going, hey, go. Then I'll show you. That's what faith is. And so let's read this passage of scripture. It's a little bit of scripture, but we're going to be okay. It says this, on the road to Emmaus. Luke 24, 13, 35. It's very cursive writing, but I believe in you. That, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, and seven mile, which, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. <laughs> I just find that funny. <laughs> hey, guys, what's up? This one is so good. <laughs> Cleopas, who is this man? <laughs> Shut up. He seems divine. <laughs> While they were talking, discussing the Jews, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? This is so funny. And he said to them, what things? Jesus, you cheeky. And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, I promise you, you're going to finish this sermon being like, whoa, this is crazy. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Jesus is like, go on. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. He's like, I know, right? But we hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at a tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those ones who were with us went to the tomb, and they found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see. Isn't it funny when you go and you see a miracle and you see a breakthrough, but you don't really see it? And he said to them, O foolish ones, and O slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. This is Jesus talking to Cleopas now. Sometimes also, as a two, sometimes Jesus is so intense. I'm like, just cuddle them and say, it's me, I'm here, I'm alive, look. But instead, he goes all intense and he says, Oh, foolish ones with slow of heart to believe what the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Jesus should, should suffer these things and enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Jesus did a Bible study with a couple on a road to Emmaus. Jesus went through the old text and said, hey, more than even the thing in my side and the holes in my hands, let me prove it through scripture. Pretty cool, though. So they drew near to the village where they were going and he acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. They urged him strongly, stay with there's no time. So they went in to stay with him. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. <laughs> and he vanished from their sight. <laughs> there's this thing in Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. I know, I know, I know. I know, I know, I'm harping on, I know. They were just, 
let me just say this. I know. But there's this thing in The Fellowship of the Ring, which is the best part of all the trilogies. And it is the impending sense of something is going to happen. You know, we're in Hobbiton and Bilbo's like, it's my 111th birthday. And they're all doing their thing. But then the moment Gandalf comes back and goes, is it secret? Is it safe? Maybe just as a young Fred, but this thing builds up in you of, oh, there's there's something big's happening. I think Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas had this on the walk to the town. Something's, Something's happening. Can't quite put my fi- oh man, I feel the presence of God. Something's happening, and it's it's uh, and there's something about to be revealed. But the funniest part is when it's revealed, what I would like is just like a, and then they chatted into the evening about God and heaven and future plans and prophecies. It's like they're like, oh, and Jesus is like, they got it. <laughs> it's like, can you imagine Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas? Hey, did you, you see that? Where's it? Oh. Full on. They said to each other, this part is beautiful. I want you to catch this. Did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened up to us the scriptures? And some of y'all haven't read this before. Hey, it's unreal. I had read it before, but I hadn't read it before. You know what I mean? And they found the 11 of whom they were gathered saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. They told him what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. This passage is tough because there's about 75 different theological pathways you could follow, but we're going to follow one. Izzy, can you come back and hang out on the keyboard? That would be phenomenal. What we're going to do is there's a couple of points and we're going to break down this story piece by piece because this might not sound like an Easter message, but it is. And I'll tell you why it is. It's because Jesus, days after being raised from the dead, displays exactly why he died. Because we know that he died for sin and for cancer and for divorce and for abuse and he died for those who were downcast. He died for those who were disappointed. This is the most Easter message ever. Or maybe not ever. I don't know if I can say that. (laughs) All right, I'm about to make the guys at the back job a nightmare because I'm going to be jumping around scripture. But that's okay. Hey, I just want also want to honour, you know, it's hard in church because you don't want to honour one person and not others. But I, I really want to honour, uh, and wait till I finish to clap, I want to honour Brianna Hamilton because, you know, this week, um, you know, she's had some people in her world um, pass on. Uh, she's had work to do. Uh, she's done team night. She's coordinated the graphics for both services and one of the messages was quite late. And, and I just think that's loving your life, not unto death to make sure that a service happens. And we've got many people that make a service happen, but making a service happen and doing what you feel called to do in the middle of pain is admirable, amazing, integral. So can we just honour Brianna? Okay. Amazing. You with me for this breakdown? I've got 14 minutes. I'm going to use all 14. Let's break this down. First point, while they were discussing what happened. While they were discussing what happened. Just, just think about this for, for a second, man. Like, like, I'm trying to find a couple with a space in between them in the seats, and I can't. So, Anna, if you could move one seat that way. And Jess, if you could move one seat that way. And this isn't actually that worth it, but I just want to do it. So 
Dan and Jess are walking along the road to Emmaus and they're chatting, but be downcast. So chat and be downcast, yeah. Mm. Mm. And, and they're upset. And then Jesus, no, don't hold hands. That's too upcast. And so, <laughs> and so Jesus comes along, right? And, and Jesus is, so Jesus is doing his thing. So you guys are there and I'm Jesus. And I'm like, teehee, I know what's going to happen because I'm omnipresent, teehee. And then, how are you, Jess? How are you, Steve? And, and so, so we're here, right? And Jess and Dan are talking. Now, don't look at me. You don't know I'm here yet. Be more downcast. And so, nice hair. And so, Jesus is walking along. Hey, Benji. Walking along. And he sees his couple. And he's Jesus. So, he's like God with flesh on. He is the hope of glory. He created the world, the planets, the solar systems. He is the great I am. He's the one we've waited for. And he walks up and goes... What you're talking about? <laughs> As if he didn't know. <laughs> and then he does it again, like two verses later. He's like, so you're upset. Why? No, no, you don't have to reply. <laughs> While they were discussing what happened, Jesus is concerned with what you're discussing at home. Jesus is concerned and cares about what's going on in your world. Sometimes Jesus is preached as this like victorious dude riding on a horse, which is epic. And sometimes he comes in that way. But often, often he comes as a kind person that saves people and then writes in the sand and brings deliverance and brings wholeness and brings freedom while they were discussing. And then number two, it says, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. If this ain't us, if this ain't us, I was at a conference one time and the, the, the presence of the Lord was there. Like it was like, and one of my leaders was like, Fred, I don't feel anything. I was like, what? <laughs> I don't feel anything. It's weird. I don't like it. You know, and obviously we're kind and we're nice to people. But in my head, I thought, Lord, open the eyes of your servant. Let's not be people that have our eyes closed to things. You know that story of the guy on the, on the top of the house when it's flooding? And he's like, oh, Lord, would you save me? And a helicopter comes. Mate, we're going to save you. Mate, we're going to save you. He's like, no, Jesus will save me. They're like, cool, man. A boat comes along. It's Greg. He's like, mate, jump in the tinny. We'll get you out of here. And now Jesus is going to save me. And the hurricane comes and he falls off the thing and he drowns and he dies and he goes to heaven. And he's like, Lord, why didn't you save me? And God's like, dude, I sent a helicopter and Greg. <laughs> Let's not have our eyes closed to what God wants to do in our life. Point number three, they were downcast. Can I, can I preach at you for a second? You think that scares God? You think he's bothered by you being downcast? I hate it in church where we think we have to have a, a mask of like fakeness, not a COVID mask. When we've got to have a mask on and pretend we're all good when our marriage is holding on by a thread. When we're upset, when we're hurting. Church, someone once said, if you want honesty, don't go to a church, go to a bar. 
man, that day has to end. It has to come into a time where if you want to be honest, you come to the house of God. You come in and you say, hey, I'm downcast. Why? It's biblical. In Psalm 51:17, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. You, O Lord, will not despise. You can come into the house of God honestly. And we're not talking about living by feelings. And you lose this ability a little bit as you mature. Just caveating. But it's good that Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas were honest with where they were at. Jesus can work with honest. <laughs> Point number four. Cleopas begins to tell Jesus what happened to G. Oops. It's actually the point. Oh, no, they didn't put it there. They probably thought it was like not. Yes. Just in case you need help with the pronunciation of the Greek. Oops. I love this man. I, I love the humanity of this story. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all of the people. Jesus is like, let's check it out. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up and condemned him to death and crucified him. But we had all hope that he was the one to redeem Israel. And yes, besides all this, it is now the third day since this has happened. They were standing before the great I am. But they were quoting him as though he was. They were standing before the great I am. And they're going, he was a prophet. He was going to be our redeemer. He was. missing the great I am because of what was I can feel the excitement of Jesus starting to bubble up I am him but Jesus not scared of a bit of theatre draws it out (laughs) meant that respectfully meant that respectfully He tells Jesus all about this. And then Cleopas says something that we can all relate to with every fiber of our being. But we had hoped. As I was writing this section of the sermon a couple of weeks ago, I broke down in tears because I just thought of the times in my life I said, but I had hoped. Cleopas says the words many of us can relate to. I had hoped. I had hoped the medicine would work. I had hoped my wife would stay. I had hoped the diagnosis would have changed. I had hoped my job would have worked out. I had hoped that I would have felt the presence by now. I had hoped that I'd have a family by now. I'd hoped that life would have been different. I had hoped I would have been free of this toxic relationship. But friend, the reason why Resurrection Sunday is so powerful is because it turns out I had hoped into I do hope. You see, it's easy to have hoped. But maybe tonight, as we look at the person of Jesus, man, as we look at the holes in his hands and the, the spear piercing in his side, as we look at what he's done, maybe we could hope again. 
And not a fake hope, not an absolutely brother, not a Christian Instagram rubbish hope, but a hope that's deep on the inside of us. A hope that's like a fire shut up in our bones. That even when everything is pressing against us, hey, I've got hope. Hey, even when the world is like, why would you hope you're an idiot? Hey, I've got hope. Why? Because he's not in the tomb anymore. He's not in the grave anymore. And I might not have seen him yet, but I got hope. I got hope, man. We can have hope in the hardest situations. But what I love about this story is we don't, Jesus just doesn't give us grace to have hope in horrible diagnosis, terminal illness, breakups. He gives us hope when we're downcast. I love that. As a kind of emotional guy, I love that. Just me, cool. You need to hope again. Benji, come join me. Can I tell you something? I like that they haven't properly found Emmaus or the Emmaus Road. You know why? Because I get to have my own with him. So do you. You get to walk with Jesus. You get to have him unpack things for you. It's all right if you're not there yet. He's going to teach you on the way. Oh, I don't measure up. I'm not good enough. You're going to learn on the way. I'm going to learn on the way. This is why, if I can just add this in, this is why we honor people that are older than us in the faith. Because they've hung out with Jesus longer and so they've learned more. Oh, we're all the same under God. No, 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 no. no some people are further on the maze road than I am. And that's cool. It doesn't devalue me. Just means I need to listen. Number six, I'm landing it. He is on the road. Don't you hate it when, I think some of the biggest fights in my marriage are when we're in the car, would you say? Not just that, when we're in the car in the city. We still haven't figured it out because we're both good drivers. I'm probably a little bit better with the maps, maybe. Yeah. And so, and so the tactic then becomes, do I drive and Anna does the maps? But then Anna does this thing where like the turn's there and I'm driving past it. She's like, it's that one. I'm like, preempt it. It preempt it. It is the gospel. Anna reads directions late. Um, <laughs> my point being, the th- reason, it's not, but it's not either of our fault, okay? It's the demon called Apple Maps. Okay, the satellite, especially when you go through tunnels and the satellite and you end up in the wrong location. How does this, how does this tie into he's on the road? It ties into because there's nothing worse than being in the wrong location. He's not in the tomb. He's on the road. Stop living your life like Jesus is still dead. He's on the road. And he's, in a good way, creeping behind you like, Should we, do you want to go on a walk? What are you talking about? What's going on? Let's go on a walk with Jesus, man. Number seven, I'm the one that you've been looking for. I'm the one you've been looking for. You learn on the road. You don't grow in a stationary position. Jesus will take you. Jesus will grow you. Eugene Peterson was the one who said, every step is an arrival. You don't need to know everything. You don't need to be perfect. You need to be walking with Him. He'll unpack it. He'll talk to you about it. Can you imagine? Oh man, one day when I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to Cleopas and say, Bro, if 
a Bible study with you and Jesus. How was that? But actually, sure, it's not in person and we're not walking on an actual road, but we have that opportunity every day to open this thing and say, hey, I don't know everything yet. Far from it. But could you teach me? Could you help me? I'd love to learn about the 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 the, the the tips and the, the values and the things in here. Not at the expense of study and diligence and all that stuff, but we still have this opportunity for Jesus to walk with us. Number eight, stay with me. But they urged him to stay. He who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. We see all throughout the Bible, Jesus, the Trinity, love, hunger, says that Jesus made on as if he was going to keep walking. And they said, stay with us. Stay with us. You've stirred something in us. How do I make a bridge from Cleopas and his wife to us now? Practical application for this week. After tonight, when you have a touch of God at church, don't go home and just ignore him. Hey, you've started something in me. Would you stay? Hey, you've started something in me. I'd, I'd love to hang out Tuesday morning. Can invite God into your world. That gets me pumped. Because the encounter I have on a Sunday is preparation for the lifestyle that's going to change in me on a Monday. Stay with me. Why do you stand tonight? God, what's the time? 6.52. We're going to finish at 7. Praise the Lord. What are we singing? Hey? I don't know. Yeah, resurrected. Yeah, do it, Brad. Brad knows. Not yet, though. I've got to finish my last point. If we could put the last point up on the screen, that'd be awesome. See it in the blank. See it in the blank. Why did Cleopas and his wife realize it was Jesus after he broke the bread. Now, it could have just been a supernatural thing. So I did some study just to check. Commentators, ancient, modern, and in between, have seen the revelation of Jesus' identity in the breaking of the bread as having some kind of Eucharist referent or implication. Essentially, they're saying it's just a representation of something, which may be true, but they're not sure. I had a much more Fred Porter thought. I think maybe as he broke the bread at the table, I think they probably saw his wrists. And as he broke it, they realized, oh, wouldn't have been the first time Jesus used the holes in his hands as living proof that it was God. And so my final point is see it in the scars. See it in the scars. And when I say that, I'm not talking about Jesus' scars, even though that's awesome. I'm talking about see him in yours. Often we look for Jesus in the dream, but sometimes Jesus is in the disappointment. Often Jesus is in the details. And I, probably more than anyone, love a hilltop moment. My goodness, give me, give me hilltop moments. Live recording, oh, it's going to be nonsense. 
And of course, Jesus is there. But I think Jesus gets giddy with excitement when in the middle of your pain and your hurt and your trauma and your diagnosis, you go, hey, Jesus, you've brought me this far. Would you stay? Jesus, I know you're here. The reason why I wanted to preach this on Resurrection Sunday, even though it's a bit post the stone being rolled away, is immediately Jesus shows us why he died. It's to walk with humanity. It's to teach us. It's to encourage us. 